Hello and welcome to the PLUS podcast. I'm Rachel Thomas. And I'm Marianne Freiberger. The lovely music you just heard was mathematician Jürgen Richter Gebert playing the exhibit he created for La La La. That's an exhibition produced by the group Imaginary. The show opened last September as part of the 2019 Heidelberg Laureate Forum, and we were lucky enough to visit the exhibition when it was filled with visitors playing with all the fascinating interactive exhibits. People often talk about the links between maths and music, though if you're neither a mathematician nor a musician, these links might not be so obvious to you. In this podcast, we'll have a closer look at maths and music by exploring the La La Lab exhibition with its curator, Daniel Ramos. We'll ask Jürgen what links his work as a maths professor with his love of music, and we'll ask Andreas Matt from Imaginary to tell us how they want to invite us all into the playground of mathematics. And, as usual, we'll challenge ourselves to explain some maths in just one minute. But first, let's ask curator Daniel Ramos to show us around the La La Lab exhibition. So I'm Daniel Ramos. Uh, I work for Imaginary and I am the curator of the, this uh, exhibition of La La Lab. People think that uh, mathematics and music are like uh, water and oil and don't mix because mathematics is a science, it's cold, it's, uh, uh, it's exact, it's precise. And then music is about feelings, it's about uh, expressing the human component. And uh, I think it's, it's, it's uh, one of the nice connections that, uh, that visitors get here. And so it's about showing that you can come here and have an experience of being a musician, but also an experience of being a mathematician. And mostly you can have a nice experience if you're neither. So you can, you can explore the, the, the exhibition just randomly, making, making a walk, or you can uh, make like a, a logical path saying, okay, start uh, from the beginning, what do you need for making music? What and do you need for making music? You need sound. Yeah. So what is sound? Sound you can, well, sound is a perception of what the human for a vibrating body. And then we are talking about acoustics and physics. So we have some, some exhibits here that uh, show what is physically sound. The sounds we hear are a result of vibrations of our eardrum stimulated by sound waves that are traveling through the air. And the pitch of the sound we hear is determined by the frequency of the sound waves. So the sound wave of a middle A on a tune-in fork consists of just a single wave of frequency of 440 hertz. Now mathematically, this is an example of a sine wave but most sounds are more complicated and consist of many sine waves of different frequencies added together. And knowing the frequencies of these component waves is like having a fingerprint of the sound. Now, there's an amazing mathematical tool called Fourier analysis, which enables you to do just that, to get the fingerprint of any sound that you might hear. And this is not only useful for analyzing sound or for compressing sound, like the sound of this podcast, which will be compressed in an MP3 format, Fourier analysis is also useful, for example, for processing images. And these could be images of a medical scan or the photos that you see on your digital devices. You can find out more about Fourier analysis on plus.math.org.
But now let's return to Daniel, who is showing us how you can view the different pitch of notes as different frequencies on a spectrum, and how adding different combinations of these basic components gives you the sounds of different instruments. And uh, here we have this, uh, for instance, this uh, spectrogram that shows that uh, what we hear on the on the ear, we can understand it mathematically as composed from several frequencies. And here we uh, we can explain all the theory, which is uh, Fourier analysis, for for decomposing a, a sound. And we have here uh, in real time we have the decomposition of the sound through the microphone to this uh, spectrogram. We can have sounds uh, which are more um, low or high in, in pitch, mm -hmm. but you can also distinguish an instrument from another one. Mm -hmm. So even if I play the same note with a, with a chord or with a xylophone, you can distinguish that. And the difference is on, the, on this spectrum, on this uh, mixture of uh, basic pieces. So this, in this case, there are sinusoidal waves. So for instance, here we can see that this instrument okay. has this predominant frequency, and all the others are much that lower. That's about 2,000 hertz. -ish. Mm -hmm. yep. And on the other hand, we have uh, string instruments that have much more. So that sounds a, a like the same sound, same sound, the same note, so but you it can, doesn't look like the yeah, same you note. Can, you can tune the, the, the string by the length and the tension, mm -hmm. and then you can make it a higher pitch or lower pitch. But you will always recognize that it is a string and it's not a xylophone. And, and the difference is on, on this uh, fingerprint, on this uh, combination of, of basic uh, components. So the Fourier analysis of the sound essentially gives you a fingerprint of all the different mm -hmm. frequencies that were used in making that sound. Yeah, this is the, the thing that is essential to the instrument. You can tune it to make it uh, higher or lower pitch, but you always have this fingerprint of this instrument created it. So for example, in the stringed instrument, you had lots of frequencies adding into it, like the harmonics, mm -hmm. but in the xylophone, it was a quite a pure... It's quite concentrated. Okay, so now that we know about sound and frequencies, let's go on to see how we make music out of sounds. So our tour of the Lala Lab moves on to Jürgen's exhibit, which is called Scale Lab. And then, that's essentially how do you create sound. But you want, we are in a trip towards making music. Yeah. And here we have a keyboard and we have a line. And this line is continuous, and it represents all the possible pitches and frequencies that we can hear. So you can try to make music by playing any frequency. But you don't build instruments like this, and it's quite difficult to make music, because you don't use all the possible frequencies. You select some of them for making music. So here we have some of these points selected and connected to the keys. Daniel's talking about the way that rather than using a continuous spectrum of frequencies of notes, when we make music, we pick particular points on the spectrum of frequencies to create a musical scale. And one of the things you can do in Scale Lab is choose which frequencies you want to associate with the keys on a keyboard, giving you the scales that you use to make music. So. These are the, 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 the frequencies that we use for making, for making music. But 
How do we choose these points? So, what the ancient Greeks started exploring is what combinations of frequencies sound good. And then they found that, for instance, when you have one note and another which sounds at double the frequency, it sounds good together. And here you see that the, the quotient of the, of the frequencies is a proportion 2 to 1. Yep. And it sounds so similar that they call it with the same name, and it's what we now call the, it's an octave of difference. And they also found that this proportion of 3 to 2, uh, 3 halves, is a nice proportion. And this is what it's called in, in music theory, it's a perfect fifth which is a sound that it sounds good together, this 3 to 2. And then you have this uh, 5 to 4 and 4 to 3, which are the major and minor thirds. And all these intervals are nice. Uh, but for instance, if, if you see uh, this, this quotient is 2 to 1, but if you go to the next one, 32 to 15, it sounds worse. So this is bad, this is good. So for Pythagoras and all these people that thought that everybody in the universe is numbers, they thought that, ah, oh, it's, it's marvelous. So music is based on, on numbers, and nature likes uh, small numbers. So the La 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 exhibition sounds really amazing. It sounds like it really takes you through the maths and the science of music and allows you to play with it as well and to get creative. Now, the Scale Lab exhibit that we just heard from was created by Jürgen. And Rachel, I think you asked him to explain a little bit more about his love for mathematics and for music. He was a really interesting person to meet. He was so passionate about both the mathematics and the music. And he told us how it is that he brings those two interests together. So I'm Jürgen Richter-Gebert from Technical University of Munich and I'm a professor for geometry and visualization. And you, you developed this exhibit um, and, and how is this related to your own background, your own work? Okay, different answers to that question. So first of all, uh, my major profession is being a professor for geometry and visualization. So uh, having all these visualizations here comes out of uh, this big stream of projects that we have doing visualizations since 25 years or so. And so they are all built on our main visualization system, and uh, which is somehow something for fast prototyping, interesting visualizations. That's one answer. The other answer, if I wouldn't have become a mathematician, I would have become a bar pianist or something like that. And I simply love music and I love structures in music. And this was a great occasion uh, to put all these different things uh, together, to have things about rhythm generation, about uh, the structure of composition, uh, how music theory works together, and really going back down to the physical uh, basics of how is sound composed, how does this uh, have intercultural uh, different uh, things, so here on, at the scale lab you can also play with Indian raga scales or uh, Balinesian gamelan uh, scales, which are somehow based on a different 
idea of what is consonant, what is dissonant, but each of these things has some kind of a mathematical background, and we try to filter that out. Unfortunately, none of us can visit the La La Lab exhibition right now in person, but thankfully you can visit it online and you can play with Jürgen's Scale Lab ex exhibit at the Imaginary website, imaginary.org. Now, this openness and availability of the exhibits is one of the key principles of the work of Imaginary. It allows you or anyone else to recreate these exhibitions for themselves. So we asked Andreas Matt from Imaginary to tell us more. I'm Andreas, Andreas Matt. I'm an Austrian mathematician, math communicator, human being, I'm based in Berlin um, and currently of Imaginary, a non-profit organization. And what does Imaginary do? Um, we communicate current research of mathematics in an open way, an open, collaborative, participative way. So you were saying uh, in your talk today about this exhibition, La La Lab, that it was about giving people tools to kind of experiment with, the, with this mathematics and this connection with mathematics and music themselves. Yeah, yeah working with tools for me, um, I don't know, I've, I'm visiting a lot of museums and, and, and I'm seeing a lot of exhibits. And we have this uh, criteria, which is very simple. So if, if the user of an exhibit can create something that surprises the author of the exhibit, then it's kind of an interesting exhibit. And I think as a user, you would feel it's a little bit connected to school. You know, if I'm there and the teacher knows, what, knows it already, I have just to learn it. There's no f creative freedom. And maybe that's also the big difference between the school mathematics and the mathematics in the, in, at university, that you have a, a lot of freedom, you have open questions. You're thrown into this nice open world of, of experimenting, of, of asking questions, of having problems and, and being, uh, being challenged. And I think this creative, creative challenge of I'm there and I can create something, I can invent something, I can be, I can be a mathematician in a way that I'm, I'm creative. And I think this type of exhibits work much better. But the things you provide are um, like leapfrog you closer to being able to do do research in that I can't play the piano, I can't play musical instruments, mm -hmm. but the way that you've presented exhibits here gives me enough tools so that I can get to a point that I can then see how the mathematics is emerging from these things. So. Yeah, but it's also this kind of I can't somehow doesn't exist because it's all it's all open. Even the the authors of the exhibits or of the exhibition, even I don't understand the full exhibition because it's so deep, you know. And it's it, it has so many open questions. So it's like the I can't becomes the challenge. Okay, I can't. Let's try. Let's discuss. You know. Let's explore. So we really encourage you to have a look at the La La Lab exhibition online at imaginary.org. It's really fun to play with the programs online. Another one, in addition to Scale Lab, that's really fun is called Tonnets, which is a way of visualising how the notes in a scale are laid out. So rather than thinking of the notes in a normal scale as a line, 
because the note bottom C of, say, the C major scale sounds the same as the top C, you can link those together and then you can think of playing a scale on a circle. And you can con continue to do that and you end up having things like having the notes that you could play laid out in a triangular grid and then as you s apply mathematical translations to the triangular grid say sliding it across the plane it's the equivalent of changing the key of a piece of music or even reflecting the plane you end up changing it from major key to minor key it's so much fun to play with and it's really surprising the stuff that you end up coming up with music that just played, which is the same one that played at the beginning, Jürgen created the melody in that music with his exhibit Scale Lab. But he also used another exhibit he developed called Beatbox to provide the rhythmic tabla accompaniment. And hidden behind the hypnotic beats of that tabla rhythm hides a very famous mathematical sequence, as curator Daniel Ramos explained. Yeah, so this is uh, essentially how many ways are there for making a rhythm with uh, long and short steps. It's, uh, they say it's like how many ways can you climb the stairs uh, stepping once or twice each time. The Beatbox exhibit is using two recorded sequences of tabla one equivalent to one beat of music and one longer equivalent to two beats. And then it's trying to show you all the possible ways you could fill a bar of music with those two options. So this is made with a tabla, which is like a kind of drum. So you play with, the, with your hands. And here, the short one is a, it's a, it's a combination of it. Already contains several several beats, but the, the, the idea is that you have a short piece and a long piece, and the long piece uh, is the double of the short one. If your pattern was only one beat long, you only have one pattern possible, the single beat of tabla. If you want a pattern of length two beats, you have two choices: either the single beat of tabla repeated twice per bar, or the double beat of tabla once per bar. To fill a three-beat pattern. You can start with a single beat tabla, giving you two beats left to fill, which is back to the case of the two beat pattern. Or you could start with a double beat tabla, leaving you a single beat to fill, leaving you in the case of the one beat pattern. If you have four beats, how many ways are there for putting four beats distributed in one and two? Mm -hmm. Well, you can, essentially you can start with one, or you can start with two. And if you start with one, you still have to fill four. So you uh, go back to the previous case. The way you could, do, you could the, fill up the three way beats you, with you could fill three beats. If you start with a, a double beat that uh, steps uh, two, then you still have two uh, slots. And all the possibilities is two steps back. It's yeah. two, um, uh, two iterations back. 
So it's the number so of possibilities for two plus the number of possibilities exactly. for three get you the number of possibilities for four, which That's is... That's where you get the Fibonacci numbers. So the sequence of numbers from the tabular patterns in the beatbox exhibit is, of course, the famous Fibonacci sequence. Now, it's pretty unusual for a mathematical sequence to be famous outside of the maths community, but the Fibonacci sequence has made it big. It's quite famous. The first few numbers of the sequence are 1, 1, 2, 3, 5, 8, and then it continues forever. What defines the Fibonacci sequence is that at any point in the sequence, you get the next number by adding the previous two numbers in the sequence together. So, for example, the first two numbers are 1 and 1, add them together, you get 2, add together 1 and 2, you get 3, which is the next number along, and so on. So now we move to the maths in a minute part of our podcast, and I'm going to challenge Rachel to tell us as much as she can about the Fibonacci sequence in one minute. Ready? One, two, go. Back in the 12th century, Leonardo Fibonacci was thinking about some really highly fictionalized rabbits. You start with a pair of baby rabbits, one male, one female, and they mate after one month, producing another pair of rabbits at the end of the second month. And then they'd keep on producing a pair of rabbits, a male and a female, at the end of every month from then on. So at the end of the first month, they mate, but you still only have one pair. At the end of the second month, they'd produce a new pair for the first time. So now you have two pairs. At the end of the third month, the original female would produce a new pair. So now you have three pairs. And at the end of the fourth month, the baby rabbits produced two months ago produced their first pair, while the original rabbits produce another pair. So now you have five pairs. Fibonacci wanted to know how many pairs of rabbits will there be in one year? Well, the total number of pairs this month is the number of adult pairs plus the number of baby pairs. And the number of adult pairs is the total number of pairs last month, including adults and babies. And the number of baby pairs this month is the number of adult pairs from two months ago, as it takes them at least two months to be old enough to produce babies. So the total number of pairs this month is the number of pairs last month plus the number of pairs the month before. We get the sequence one pair, one pair, two pairs, three pairs, five pairs, and so on, now known as the Fibonacci sequence where each number is the sum of the previous two numbers in the sequence. And knowing the pattern of the sequence, you can work out that after 12 months, there will be 144 pairs of rabbits. Wow, that was great. That was almost all in one minute. Now, real rabbits obviously don't breed, as Fibonacci described in his maths problem. But his sequence still appears frequently in nature, and it seems to capture some aspect of growth. You can find it, for example, in the turns of some natural spirals. You can find it in plants, for example, sunflowers, and even in the family tree of bees. The sequence is also closely related to a famous number called the golden ratio. You can find out more about Fibonacci on our website at plus.maths.org and search for Fibonacci. This is the sound of the Fibonacci sequence as depicted in the beatbox exhibit from La La Lab. After Daniel Ramos had revealed the Fibonacci hidden in the tabla patterns in this exhibit, we discovered that the music was also thanks to another brilliant mathematician. And 
I heard that this tabla playing is that is actually the Fields Medalist Manjul Bhargava playing yeah. that who's been sampled for these. Yeah, that that was his recording that was used for this exhibit. So you, so you can come and make music with the Fields Medalist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's it for this Plus podcast. You can find out more about maths and music and about the Fibonacci sequence at plus.maths.org. And we leave you with Jürgen's wonderful music, performed with help of Fibonacci and, of course, the famous Fields medalist Manjo Bagava. I'm Marianne Freiberger. And I'm Rachel Thomas. Goodbye for now.